0: Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Newman. I'm Professor of Space Law and Policy at the University of Northumbria in Newcastle in the United Kingdom. I'm also International Space Law Advisor for the Cold Star Technologies.
1: I am Ralph Dinsley, known as Dins. I'm the uh, Executive Director and Founder of Northern Space Security. I'm Alistair Funge, Space Policy and Operations Engineer.
0: I listen to the Cold Star Project. And I listen to the Cold Star Project.
1: And I listen to the Cold Star Project.
0: they would have had a savings account anyway, uh, with Wells Fargo or or Bank of America. Now they have a savings account with a new banking platform that essentially makes a a, a promise. It has a charter to support the space industry. So your $10,000 savings account in Bank of America does nothing for the space industry. Your $10,000 savings account for a bank purpose the space industry pays dividends over the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years by being capital valuable to be invested over and over and over again, back in, in, into the industry. At the same time, you get the same benefits. You have access to your capital. It's FDs insured. You'll get the, you know, the low APY that most banks give, or maybe slightly higher, but it's effectively the same thing, but doing amazing things for the space industry. Cool.
1: I'm gonna keep that in. And welcome back to the Cold Star Project. I am Jason Kanigan, the founder of This Thing, Cold Star Technologies, a data science and process improvement firm. I am here with Jason Aspiotis, and we're continuing our season three look at uh, investment companies, companies with money, who uh, fund space companies. Jason, here's the founder and CEO of Finsofi Public Benefit Corporation. Um, he abbreviates that as FinSophie PBC. Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you for having me, Jason, my pleasure.
1: You bet. So uh, you've got a great list of questions here um, that that you helped me come up with. You came up with them. And uh, I love the color pink. Um, And let's begin with that. What what are your long-term views about space economy growth? I feel that, uh, you know, it was kind of getting a bit of a rush going, not for the first time in history. And now we're sort of stalled and we're waiting for that moon visit and all that kind of thing. What are the driving factors to this economic growth? Yeah.
0: No, it's a good question. I think a lot of people in the industry have different perspectives on this particular topic, right? Um, I'll give you a little bit of a journey of where I come from as well, because I think Mm -hmm. it will help with the context. So, you know, my background, I started as a um, astrophysics undergrad, moved to grad school in applied physics, uh, worked for Raytheon for about eight years, supporting um, their space system, satellite systems for both civil NASA and defense. Um, and then, right around 2013, 2014, I was tremendously inspired by you know, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, Sir Richard Branson, and what they were doing. And what they were doing is they were exciting not just the, the aerospace professionals and the aerospace um, enthusiasts, but they were uh, exi- exciting, incentivizing um, an entire base of people that can now feel like there's actually something real happening. The space industry that ultimately relates back to us as humans. So, you know, Elon Musk has the bold vision of settlement of Mars. Uh, Jeff Bezos has the bold vision of establishing orbital colonies, industrializing the solar system for the benefit of Earth and us humans. Um, and so many others have, you know, similar, maybe slightly varying visions, but uh, uh, the, the common theme is humans are central to that long-term vision. So, I started FINSIFI back in uh, 2015, 2016, um, with the aspiration to help um, bring about more um, human involvement from the average aerospace professional, the average space enthusiast, and other people that you may not suspect are actually space enthusiasts um, to be more involved in the industry. So, that said, going back to the the fundamental question of what I believe are the driving factors pushing the industry forward. Um, I actually have a fundamental belief that from an economics perspective, you need humans in space to have a space economy. Um, you can't have a space economy without humans. And, you know, whether it's tourism or some people like to call it space adventure or or, or other uh, fancy terms, um, whether it's for scientific research and exploration purposes, um, whether it's for mid to slightly longer-term stay, or whether it's the long-term vision of space settlement, I believe that for the economics of space to be be sustainable for the long-term, you have to have humans as part of the equation and as part of the business case. Um, and we can go a little bit more into that as we, mm. as we go on with the, the discussion. The other factor, and, and this is not something I particularly predicted you know, five years ago, but it, it wasn't strange to me when it happened, You know the whole militarization of space and the establishment of space force. I think, for better or for worse, is timely. And is it going to be a factor of changing the economics of space towards the better? I think absolutely yes. Um, It's going to help with commoditization of space technology. It's going to help with proliferating more commercial capabilities that further helps commoditization of space technology and services. And the end of the day, it's going to help bring down transportation costs. All those things are integral and provide a feedback to the ultimate reduction transportation costs. And for the industry to go become what we all, or most of us aspire to be with space tourism, human space, orbital colonies, Mars settlement, what have you, we need to have um, an industry where transportation costs are no longer the barrier. Hmm.
1: Okay, so for you, it's driving down that, uh, that launch cost. Uh, by having organizations that have the mandate of operating in space and, uh, right. and not necessarily waiting for commercial activity uh, to to kickstart that because we may wait forever <laughs> in that case. Although, it, you know, there is some of that. Okay. Now you've got a question here. What is the role of the retail investor in the space economy? I want to step back one foot from that and say, well, okay, what is a retail investor? Let's define that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That term sometimes gets a bad vibe, but in, a, in, the, in the finance world, um, uh, you know, retail investors, anyone that has a, a bank account, anyone that has a deposit, a savings, a checking account, anyone that has a, an account with Robinhood, um, um, or E-Trade, or, or Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, those individuals are considered uh, retail investors. And, you know, the term accredited investors come up a lot on your show and that is specifically for the demographic that has more than you know X amount of dollars per year or X amount of net worth um, the retail investors everyone else that has some capital they want to invest and they do so either through a FDIC insured deposit account or through an investment account and that, that's a, a little capital so in, in the US you know we're talking about uh, almost 15 trillion dollars of deposits that um, are sitting on, on the bank's uh, balance sheets, and then you're looking at um, almost $50 trillion in capital sitting in pension funds, mutual funds, insurance funds, and a lot of that is obviously belonging to uh, uh, other investors, but large chunk of that is is retail.
1: Okay. So this is a large pot of money. It is probably underutilized when it comes to the space market. I can guess that uh, you know we're on a mission to make space boring here at Cold Star. Uh, that's our slogan. And uh, space is not boring yet. It is uh, it is scary to a lot of retail investors. I would imagine, right? The, the idea of risk and putting my money in what? Uh, so. Let's get back to that question then of what your idea of the role is uh, for that retail investor looking at the space economy. How can they get involved while getting their heart rate down about that sense of risk?
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, part of why, um, I established Fensify, my team and I established Fensify is to help, um, build the rights, the, the necessary framework in place, the necessary financial infrastructure in place to help enable the the average investor and capital holder to make appropriations based on their personal uh, beliefs and aspirations towards supporting the long-term growth of the space industry. Um, so going back to your point about, we're talking about large pools of capital. I wouldn't necessarily call it underutilized in the context of space today because this, the space industry is still nascent, it's still emerging. So, you know, if there was one trillion dollars worth of investments to be made it would take at least five years if not more to deploy that capital into sensible uh, capabilities and infrastructure that have a long-term vision and long-term growth uh, perspectives about them so the the regional investor is going to be important once you have the right infrastructure in place to enable them to deploy said capital and support the space industry and we could dive a little bit into more about that, but there's there's several people working various avenues of this. So you mm-hmm. you know you know about space ventures and my friend um, Brant, and uh, they're doing a great job, sort of coupling the, um, regional investor that wants to be part of something emerging, something innovative, slightly risky, but they probably have dollars they want to put towards something like that because they they believe in the long-term vision of space capabilities. They want, they want to be part of something that may produce, you know, multiples in the long-term and what they're doing in space ventures is allowing that avenue of capital to find a way to deploy itself. Uh, what we're doing with is slightly different, but mm-hmm. you, you may be familiar with our uh, platform SpaceVault, which uh, we launched back in 2018. And SpaceVault was a proof of concept digital savings account FDIC insured for the space professional, the space enthusiast, um, and eventually even space business organizations that you know they have savings accounts, they have checking accounts, they have certificates of deposits sitting in Bank of America, uh, Wells Fargo, Citi, or whoever. Nothing with those banks, other than they don't really have a vision for supporting the space industry. So our hypothesis was, could there be a regulated banking institution mm. that could aggregate uh, retail deposit capital from individuals like myself, you, and, and the many, many viewers of this show, and then our collective capital power could be used to provide long-term financing for space companies and, and long-term space infrastructure. Um, the and I believe that the reason I was invited to the show is is the paper I wrote on uh, business development companies, uh, BDCs. So that's another good example of another piece of financial infrastructure that could be um, integral to allowing the retail investor to be part of the space industry. And BDCs were established legally in the 1980s. They were established to help infuse more capital to small to medium-sized U.S. companies. Um, they've been around in, in, you know, in, in the public markets uh, since the 1990s, and a bunch of them been around since the 2000s. And they hold significant amounts of capital. And Mm. their charter is to invest in U.S. small to medium-sized companies in in a variety of industries. So a BDC-purposed for the space industry or multiple BDCs-purposed for the space industry could be a really good way to um, integrate the emerging investor appetite, retail investor appetite, to support emerging commercial space companies in the U.S. And therefore, providing more financing for the ecosystem and providing more feedback for the ecosystem to keep growing and advancing so
1: okay yes and uh, i hope everyone picked up on that um Part of the reason why I do this show uh, is to get my own education on like, hey, what's out there and what's the technology and, and how does this stuff work, right? And I go to people who are actually doing it. And rather than having a private conversation with other Jason here, uh, I'm able to host the show and we do it publicly and I'm able to you know, spread that, that learning around. So what you're saying then is that there are people out there with values and aspirations and attitudes and that um, that would match up with ours, right, that do match up with ours, about uh, wanting to support space, but what are the mechanisms by which we can help them um, sort of move that money or, or deploy that money um, in in a way that uh, is regulated, perhaps safer, um, and that, that is using something that is understood uh, by at least some experts like yourself, uh, as opposed to just, well, uh, I'm going to put some money out somewhere. Like, how do you even get that working together, right? So you're, you're solving that problem. So uh, Brad Arsenault is, is, has gone the crowdfunding route. Um, that was gonna be a follow-up question of mine, is what's the difference right, between what you're doing and what he's doing? And then you have chosen to go with this public benefit corporation structure, uh, which which I definitely wanna find out more about. Um, so our next question is, and we've, we've started talking about this, what are some ways retail investors could become more involved in supporting the space economy? uh, in the near future, obviously uh, coming to you and say, okay, I've got X amount of dollars. Um, and this is, you know, what's the, what's the minimum amount that makes sense? And, and how does that even work? Like, you know, if I have $20 million and I go to a Michael Muelling and I say, okay, I'm an accredited investor. Uh, here's my money deploy, deploy, (laughs) you know, that makes sense to me. What's, how does it work in, in your case?
0: Yeah. Um, Good question, and, and remind me to answer the question about how we're different to space mm-hmm. in terms of crowdfunding. It's important because, yeah. like you said, there's there's different mechanisms to bring about more capital flow and support the space industry. So, so I'll, I'll get to answering that. But to, to this particular question, um, so we've done surveys the past five years to identify, you know, what's the increasing percentage of Americans, at least, that care enough. Care enough about the space industry to say, yeah, if if there was a product available for me, a, a regional investor product available for me, I would jump onto it. And based on the, the statistics, we're looking at roughly five percent of all Americans hmm. care enough about the space industry. Um, let me translate that in terms of what that means in terms of capital pools. When it comes to the banking, that's roughly six hundred billion dollars in the U.S. Hmm. When it comes to investment dollars, so you know, think about stocks, mutual funds, pension funds. It's right. It's just over two trillion dollars. So right now, with the industry being where it is, and it's not yet mature but emerged in exciting form, we have over two and a half trillion dollars worth of capital that could be earmarked to support long-term um, space uh, commercialization and industrialization. So, what does that mean about how, well, okay, so I'm a regional investor. How do I put my $10,000 to support something in the space industry? So that's where the infrastructure, financial infrastructure comes into play. And, you know, we're not a financial company, we're not, we're not a bank, we're not an investment firm. Um, but what we call ourselves is financial innovation companies. So we want to innovate and build and deploy financial infrastructure that helps realize this long-term vision by bringing in more and more retail capital into the space industry. So we're, we're essentially a space-focused capital formation company, you could call that. And you know we've we worked with banks, um, we've worked with investors, we've worked with consulting firms to help create those necessary pieces of infrastructure to make that happen. So let me give you some examples. So spacefall which um, we launched in 2018 as a beta, um, we, we were able to prove that on average, space enthusiasts were willing to open a savings account on the platform worth $8,000. Mm. That's actually higher than the average savings account for currently for, for the average American. So think about how many space enthusiasts are out there that have accounts with either Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citi, um, you know, Truist, that used to be BB&T and SunTrust. What if a fraction of those people decide, you know, I want to put my money where my mouth is. Um, So I'm going to open an account with this digital bank that supports the space industry. Um, As I mentioned before, that could be as much as $600 billion of deposit capital. Now, banks can't invest all the deposits in any particular industry. That would be rendered as too risky and regulators will never allow that for the right reasons. Banks are not supposed to be uh, targeting a very specific industry and invest all their deposits or have all their assets in a particular industry. So, But even if said bank were to invest, let's say, 10%, um, that's still a tremendous amount of potential capital that could be underpinned the space industry through a variety of investment vehicles. And back to the to answer your question about how does the retail investor gain? Well, they would have had a savings account anyway, uh, with Wells Fargo or, or Bank of America. Now they have a savings account with um, a new banking uh, platform that um, essentially makes a, a, a promise. It has a charter to support the space industry. So your $10,000 savings account in Bank of America does nothing for the space industry. Your $10,000 savings account for Um, a bank purpose the space industry pays dividends over the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years by being capital valuable to be invested over and over and over again back into the industry. At the same time, you get the same benefits. You have access to your capital. It's FTS insured. You'll get the, the low APY that most banks give or maybe slightly higher, but it's effectively the same thing, but doing amazing things for the space industry. Um, and the capital that banks usually um, provide comes in the form of debt, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, a big part of what we're doing at is not just slowly but slowly building the infrastructure necessary to um, support uh, the flow of capital into the space economy, but it's also uh, developing the right tools to deploy that capital in the space industry. So, not much debt has been used to support new space. I mean, debt was a pretty big instrument for financing telecom in the 90s and early 2000s. But it hasn't been a very big instrument to support new space. Um, You may know SpaceX a couple of years ago got a huge loan from a consortium led by Bank of America. That's probably one of the first examples of, I'd say, new space company that's received capital through a debt instrument. Mm. But it's possible. And the, the more the industry matures... And the more the US government um, ramps up its, um, I, I'm going to call it anchorship of market demand, the, the, the more and better that, sorry, the, the, the more banks will feel better about making managed risk, uh, debt, and other types of deployments into space companies, space capabilities. Um, if you like, I can give an example of a BDC um, uh, side of things, right? So. If there were a BDC trade in the public markets right now, you know, similar to, to my good friend, um, you know, Micah and, and, and the UFO um, ETF that was launched uh, a couple of years ago. You know, that, that's been a great example of a retail investment vehicle where people with money sitting in um, brokerage accounts, not deposits, right? Bank is mm-hmm. deposits, so brokerage accounts. And that's actually a really good distinction to make a lot of people have deposits. You know, we have our savings, our checking. A lot of people have investment accounts. It's it's kind of a different color of money, right? So you, you don't usually mix the two. You have your savings that you just don't want to lose. That's you know that, that's why you put it in FDIC insured account. And then you have your I don't want to call it plain money, but you either have your 401ks or your you know high growth slightly risky pots of money that you put in your investment or brokerage accounts. And then some people have money for Charity, for example, which I won't go into today, but that's another pool of money that mm-hmm. um, hasn't really been uh, utilized for the space industry. Mm. But for the BDC example, you know, it's a, it will be a regulated investment product that's traded um, on Nasdaq, for example, and any investor, the brokerage can go buy stock uh, for this BDC or number of BDCs in the space industry. So, you know, a lot of complaints I've heard the past few years, you know, before Virgin became Uh, Publicly traded through the the special purpose acquisition um, route, there was no new space company that people could put their money in. So, you know, Virgin is a great proof of concept that there's there's a demand out there for the passionate investor that cares enough about this vision that makes them and makes them feel more comfortable to make those investments.
1: This is Jason Gannigan from Cold Star Tech, and I'm excited to share with you a new offer from Cold Star that we are bringing out to help both space founders and venture capitalists who fund space companies. And it's on two levels. The lower level is a VC who is looking at possibly funding a space company, but they just don't get it, right? And a lot of tech founders want to come out and create some sort of technical capability, but they do not understand business. And so you'll look and you'll go, where's the customer here? Where's the business model? And they'll go, huh? But I want to make rockets or something, right? And and it's really cool. Well, that, as we know from the dot-com era, is not a viable business model. And so you bring us in. We've got great technical expertise on the space side. Folks who have done this sort of assessment before, like our technical engineering advisor, Dr. Rick Fleeter, myself in the process engineering field, plenty of other people with brains to look at this problem so that you don't have to blow your brains out trying to figure out how to make this work. And on the company side, it's a benefit for them because we will show them the roadmap to how you're going to get funded, how, how you will want to fund them, what changes to make to get VCs excited about putting money in. And so that's good for you. Right? The second level is at a, a deeper and higher level at the same time. It is for venture capitalists who have uh, given a seed round to a company. A space company, and that has gone on for a little while—six months a year, something like that—and it is time, as uh, COVID has made it, to double down or get out. Those are pretty much the choices, right? It's time to invest further in a thing we already know, which seems to be the direction VCs are going in right now. Uh, they don't seem to want to look at new things, uh, or or stop, just kill the project. And so the good news is. In that situation, there's a lot more going on. There's more meat for Cold Star experts to get in and, and analyze, right? You're going to have processes in place, whether they know it or not. We'll be able to flowchart those and, and maybe accurately document them for the first time so we can get some kind of value chain going in the organization. We'll be able to test whether the leadership is the right group of people or whether you're missing something, the strategic direction, the business model, all this stuff. So. If this sounds interesting to you reach out to us you can email me at jason at coldstartech.com or just connect with me and message me on linkedin that's probably the best way to do it and uh, i am excited to talk to you the the kind of transformation that we're able to offer here is beyond anything you'll see out there and as a vc this will save you so much time and energy right like if you're a vc and you've got a hundred companies to look at you've got three days a year (laughs) <laughs> to, to look at each one maybe right that's not really good enough is it wouldn't it be better to have uh, experienced expert space people who understand space right look at this investment and tell you here's a grade right here are several grade areas is this thing ready to pour gasoline on the fire or is it just going to go up in smoke this is Jason Kanig from Cold Star Tech let's get back to the interview one of the first things that jumped out at me is, okay, we, we, you either have debt or equity, right? Those are the two ways of of putting money into a business. Uh, does this, um, savings account run by a public benefit corporation, if I'm understanding correctly, does it, uh, take ownership shares of that company for a while, um, while it invests in it and then sells that off to, to redeem or.
0: No, no. So, so let's, you know, the, the public benefit corporation is just a distinction for our, for our company and our charter, right? So what, what we're mm-hmm. doing as a com- as a company is we consider ourselves public benefit because we're trying to build or help build the infrastructure support the long-term benefit of, of the public in the context of um, economic development, industrialization, and future settlement of space. So that's why we as a company are a public benefit corporation. The infrastructure we build um, you know, like a digital bank for space, that would be a separate entity, mm-hmm. um, separate organization that is regulated by um, respective um, regulators. So in the case of a bank, you're looking at the OCC, the, the Office of Control of the Currency, you're looking at the FDIC, the Federal Reserve, etc. cetera. In the case of the BDC, let's say we're, we're building a BDC or helping build a BDC, that'd be regulated by um, the SEC. But again, that would be a completely different um, company and construct defensively. We're just, we're just sort of the, the, the architects, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we, we know where we, we want the industry to go. We know what solutions are out there to build the infrastructure, to assist more capital to flow in the industry. We want to help build that infrastructure. And, and so, we're, so we're architecting it and, and bringing on team members and other players in the finance industry to make it happen
1: okay so that yes that you will create another organization which will be regulated by whatever organization does that uh, how will it fund space companies with that money in there then will it be through debt which I got the impression you wanted to avoid
0: it, it depends it depends so you know banks mostly make loans that's that's mm-hmm. what they're known for that's the good at um, that's what their risk Management tools and asset liability management tools, and what their DNA um, urges them to do. Banks can make equity investments uh, on a case by case basis, but for the most part, banks are good at making loans. To your question about how does my $10,000 uh, get deployed support in support the space industry? As I mentioned earlier, banks will not make a full concentration into the space mm-hmm. economy. They just they're not able to
1: to, uh, do it. They have to spread the risk.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, we believe that if a bank were able to make 10% of its investments in the space economy, that's, that's a game changer. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, banks will typically stay away from too high concentration, in any particular industry, but 10% is, is, is not that, um, uncommon. So if a bank were to make 10% of its, um, uh, deployments in the space industry space that means you know from your $10,000 effectively a thousand bucks is being lent out mm-hmm. uh, to a variety of space companies space enterprises or, or you know space endeavors that uh, are applying for for loans or other types of investments from the bank. Uh, back to the customer that has that particular bank account there's no uh, tangible benefit that, that is directly to the specific space company because a bank would probably want to lend out to, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 or more space companies. And those amounts are going to be different. So mm-hmm. your a thousand bucks that has been spread across those different companies. It's just essentially microloans, right? Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, microloans. It's not a microloan by its class definition, but it's, it's effectively your money being distributed in a risk managed way. So the net impact to you is you're supporting the space economy, your money is FDIC insured, but at the same time, you're getting interest back. Mm -hmm. There's there's, there's no downside. Um, And that's the beauty of trying to build the the right infrastructure to infuse deposit capital in the space industry. It's a completely untapped source of capital that right now is just not being used for, for the space economy okay
1: Jason is FinSuffy then uh advocating to traditional banks to make this change?
0: um so we spacefall was actually a joint not joint, we, we built FinSuffy as a, a, a sorry we built spacefall as a fintech uh, platform so you know fintech the past 10 years has been a myriad of small digital companies you know fintech companies that said oh i want to go build a savings account for know, people that are 1099 contractors and we're going to build a savings account for them so they can pay the IRS every year. And it's, you know, it's controlled, it's, at- it's insured, they're in interest, it's easy. So all these fintech companies have built all these products around very niche mm. applications and what have you. What we built is a fintech digital banking platform that we, we launched with a bank partner. So we had a bank partner on the back end that provided the FTSC um, insurance and coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, they owned the balance sheets. The deposits were essentially flowing through our platform and sitting um, on the bank's balance sheet. And we just provided the digital you know, user interface and user experience to support that. Um, so that's that's one example of how it could be done. Another way is to, like you said, advocate that more banks get involved. Um, and that's why we're pushing for ideas like the BDC, because a BDC could actually raise capital from banks. Uh, a BDC could, could be invested in by banks, because a BDC does not fall under uh, what's called the Volcker Rule exclusion, hmm. which limits um, uh, banking activity um, in support of venture capital um, funds. Um, some of those rules have changed a little bit, but the BDC is a much safer bet for a bank to invest in the space industry indirectly than it is to do so through a venture capital um, or, or private equity fund. So um, so I hope that answers your question about what, what we're doing. We're, we're laying out the, we're architecting the pieces the players and their organizations and structures organizations to go achieve the, these large-scale Financial infrastructure projects that will allow the flow of capital. And you know, when I started this five years ago, I knew it was going to be a long, long mm. journey, um, and and it has been. But I'm in it for the long term, and you know, I've I've been blessed to meet people like Rent and then um, yeah, Jose and Micah from Catalyst Partners, and a bunch of other people. And I'm you know, I'm I'm really um, excited about what Dylan Taylor's been been doing mm. with, with with Voyager Space Holdings. Um, been very supportive and excited about all the good work that all our predecessors like Space Capital, Chad, Chad Anderson, Mike Mealing, um, Megan Crawford. All those guys are, are building an ecosystem of financial infrastructure that's only going to keep growing and growing and growing until it helps accomplish the ultimate vision that we all have.
1: Which mm. is a lot of activity in space. Okay, so when we first got on, I imagined that uh, the user of this sort of Uh, idea or service or would withdraw their money from uh from wherever it was and put it into something else but uh if you're successful in a broad way they may not have to Uh, the organization that they're at it sounds like may um, decide okay we're gonna we're gonna do this
0: that that would be a good future that would be a good future if we can get you know let's say bank of america to to open a space affinity savings account and that's something we've We've thought about something we've entertained um, the problem with the big banks is and this comes down to barriers they big banks care about scale um, to them an industry where they can deploy a few hundred million dollars in the next few years they don't care right um the and the same goes for the retail side right bank in america those guys don't need more deposits they have way more deposits um, that, that that they can afford, and that's why their 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 APY is you know 0.0001 percent because they're trying to get rid of deposits. Mm. Um, and other side of the spectrum, small banks are at, at a tough juncture. You know, they're, they're the, the proliferation of fintech and digitization of banking products. Um, small banks are just trying to keep up. So introducing a new kind of product that has this long term focus for a seemingly niche demographic like the space enthusiast, the space professional, probably not where a small bank is going to make its bet. So, so our belief is that you know if we want the space industry to have a dedicated banking institution that aggregates deposit capital, and then makes deployments back into the space industry, you got to start from scratch. And I can say that that's something we're, we're definitely looking at as an organization, you know, how do you build uh, a bank from scratch that actually is chartered to go do that, bringing capital from the space industry, space professionals, enthusiasts, companies, organizations, and then start making loans and investments for the long term back
1: into the industry. Okay. So Jason, who do you want to talk to? Who could show up on your radar suddenly that you'd be like, oh my gosh, I've, I've wanted to talk to somebody like you for a year or two or something.
0: Um, It's a good question. I mean, I, what we're doing is, is, is for the community. Um, you know, we're, we're building this stuff because the community needs financing needs capital. It needs patient capital. It needs capital that's going to take a long, hard look at the industry and say, look, we, we don't know what path is the best. Uh, we, we, we don't really care about picking the winner, but we know the ecosystem is going to grow. So therefore we're going to make a, considered effort to support the entirety of the ecosystem because that's what's going to be mutually beneficial for the ecosystem its players its current investors and us potentially as as a dedicated bank so i would say anyone that is you know interested by this idea and you know we're looking for uh partners that want to help us architect or build the solution it's going to take more than us it's going to take some capital to build a bank for space um, and so we're interested to meet anyone that has, has an interest, whether you are just a, someone that wants to open an account, love to hear your opinion on what that account could look like. If you, if you're a company that is intrigued by the possibility of receiving debt capital at some point in, in the near future, we'd love to hear your feedback because a lot of what we would have to do is tailor the, the debt instruments and the and the, and the lending service to, to cater to uh, the, the the space company, um, or if you're a large space company or or an investor that you know sees the potential here, Because right? this bank um, could underpin a, a positive feedback loop that grows the industry into perpetuity, and that's what we all want. So you know, a, a large space company or a large investor should like you know this is a good idea and This is a bet that I'm going to make right now because I know it's going to pay huge dividends for the growth of the the industry that we're currently supporting. So, Mm. so yeah, anyone anyone interested in talking to me, I'd love to have a conversation.
1: Okay. My brain is still floating around on the risk management side of this um, because you do not want to set up a bank that suddenly, uh, well, after a few years, finds itself in the business of uh, owning parts of companies that have failed, for example, right? Uh, and I imagine that uh, the space marketplace with, with these businesses, um, the assets that we have here are not very attractive to people outside. Uh, it's not like you're buying capital equipment, uh, I don't know, um, earth movers or something like that that you can sell if that company fails, right? Uh, so yeah. what what happens, um, in that situation, you know, when you war game this out, uh, and you get to where a company has failed, uh, and this bank that's focused on space is now the asset holder. What, what are they, what's the plan there? Do you think, or is that, is that just something that nobody's looked at yet? I mean, no,
0: you're right. Nobody has looked at that yet. Huh? I mean, we we've looked at that. Um, mm-hmm. I can, I can tell you that, you know, part of the solution is what I mentioned a little bit earlier. It's about concentration, right? Mm-hmm. So let let's say next year we launched. Um, I'm going to call it Bank of Space. Wink, mm-hmm. wink. Um, we're not going to we're not going to deploy ten percent of our of our um, deposits into loans to support space companies. That that will be frowned upon and disallowed by the by the regulators. So, our task would be to start slow, hmm. strategic, okay. and year after year prove that it is possible to do so. Um, and, you know, based on our analysis and and you know, the strategy we've thought about and where we see the ecosystem going and having looked at a you know, bunch of companies and what their capital needs are, we believe it's doable to build a... Slow ramp up of um, um, capital deployment through a bank without triggering any significant risk issues, hmm. either internally as part of our control, because you know as a bank you have to have those controls in place. Otherwise, the regulators will say goodbye. <laughs> hmm. And the regulators, right? Regulators in banking are notorious because they're so infused, but it's a good thing. It means I, as a bank account holder, will most likely always can believe my money's there. And the very, mm-hmm. very worst case, FDIC will, will cover it. So that's the beauty of banking. Um, there's no risk to the underlying um, capital, deposit capital owner. Mm-hmm. It's going to be up the bank to make sure um, it deploys the capital strategically, um, effectively, and with a risk management process that passed the test both internally and for the regulator's perspective.
1: Hmm. Okay, and I guess if you've got a pool of space companies in in there as as clients of the bank or whatever, um, they are a ready-made market of potential buyer uppers of uh, of assets as well. So it's it's we, possible. We, yeah. we
0: we estimate there's twenty billion dollars of mm-hmm. uh, deposit capital or short-term liquidity sitting with space organizations. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely a lot of capital that could also be used to support the feedback loop. Um, And and you're right. I mean, a lot of what companies spend money on are assets that most banks don't want to touch. Going back to my saying, you know, Bank of America doesn't know how to underwrite. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on AstroBotic. I love I love AstroBotic, but you know they've been doing amazing things. They they have you know infrastructure that on a bank's books it could be called commercial industrial CNI. and a big bank, like, I don't know what to do with this. But if you have a bank that's purpose in the beginning to address, be the bank for those kinds of companies, capabilities, and capital expenditures, then it becomes easier to price the risk um, for those particular companies and their needs. It's just a matter of economics. The, the industry is not big enough to warrant a big bank getting involved in deploying their huge risk management infrastructure but for a small, targeted bank that's developed for this, they can do it, and we know they can do it.
1: Okay, I, I think I'm getting the impression that uh, staffing this bank with some really good people who understand this space industry and not just money management is critical, um, because they have to know whether a project or or an idea is just plain silly, uh, yep. pie in the sky, or or real. Um, with fractional reserve banking, you could hand out that thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars or whatever that ten percent several times, and uh, if you don't have a cautious person in that uh, in that situation or that seat, um, I think you could overextend yourself pretty quickly if you're too eager to to loan yeah. this money out. So, yeah, huh. I I, I uh, have enjoyed this, and I'm eager to learn more. Um, I, I was amused that you brought up the the, um, strategic giving right the charitable giving uh, earlier i've run into a couple of mechanisms i've seen where uh, attorneys have managed to put together um, very interesting programs uh, for, yeah. for tax um, reduction purposes and that yeah so, very cool a of- um let's finish up on this then um, we've talked about the, i guess the the idea of where you would like to see banks go. We've talked about barriers to entry uh, in getting banks and other large financial institutions interested in doing this, uh, i.e. The, the playground or the swimming pool is just not big enough yet. It will be one day, um, but it's just not exciting enough to them yet. Um, what, where do you go? Do you go to the government? Do you go to um, other private capital sources to sort of get some more energy in this idea?
0: Yeah, I I do want to talk about the government a little bit because, you know, the, the government the past years has been very bullish about trying to incentivize more private capital. And a couple of years ago, I was um, at the Space Investment Summit, at the Department of Commerce, and I remember um, Secretary Ross saying very clearly, we got to get the big banks. Um, interested to make um, investments into long-term space industry growth and if we if we can't make that happen then we're we're fooling ourselves so the government is definitely cognizant that you got to have private capital as a strong component to financing um, the space industry and what are some things the government could do Um, I mean let's look at history Mm -hmm. so one of my favorite examples, and I always credit um, Hoyt Davidson for this, uh, my, my, my friend and, and, and mentor Hoyt Davidson from Near Earth LLC, you know, he had a great idea for taking what was known as OPEC, so the Overseas Private Investment Corporation, mm. that is now part of the uh, U.S. Development Finance Corporation. Um, that, that, that merge happened, I believe, late 2019. But OPEC was established in uh, early 1970s by the Nixon administration. To support emerging economies around the globe with um, loan guarantees, um, in some cases direct loans, in some cases what they were calling political risk insurance, to help finance U.S. companies to go build infrastructure um, and capabilities in emerging economies. Now, the the uh, um, the the objective there was to increase. Uh, American influence across the globe and emerging economies as a counter to um, you know, Russia back then, or the USSR back then. Um, but what, what Hoyt postulated was, what, what if you were to create an OPEC with a focus on space as an mm-hmm. emerging economic domain? And could sell organization uh, provide, uh loan guarantees, um, maybe not political risk insurance, but another type of insurance vehicle that allows for significant de-risking for the investor that otherwise would stay away from space. Now they're like, "Huh? You mean I can lend? I can make a venture loan deal for a billion dollars, and the government is backing it? Yeah, sign me up." Um, so you know that that was a really good idea and and, and really timely and relevant. And you know now the, the Development Finance Corporation, you know, we're, I believe there are some discussions about, could that be a possibility where government, indirectly, albeit through the DFC, because the DFC is actually, I mean, it's sponsored by governments, but it's an independent organization with its own balance sheet. It actually doesn't use taxpayer dollars. It has its own balance sheet, and if anything, um, provides a small little profit every year to the US Treasury from uh, uh, loan paybacks. So could something like that be used to provide to bring the, the might of the U.S. government indirectly through a government-sponsored organization to provide loan guarantees, insurance, and/or synergistic direct investments to complement and/or significantly de-risk other investors from deploying private capital back in the space economy. And there's other other examples too, but I think that's a particularly good example, given that we we know we have done this as a nation back in the 70s throughout today, could we change that equation a little bit to uh, address the emerging space domain as well as an economic development domain?
1: Hmm. All right, and space is not the only industry ever that has had this problem. Um, The retail money that you can access through your local bank office is, it's not what they really want to be doing, right? The bankers don't want to be giving you a $30,000 auto loan. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the retail money out of the branch. They'd rather, uh, you know, have some guy up in uh, the 53rd floor of some Wall Street, uh, you know, office tower deploying billions and, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, et cetera. in in one uh, fell swoop rather than trying to do hundreds and hundreds of transactions or thousands to add up to a total like that. So as you say, these are problems that have been solved before. And I like that you're looking to history for for possibilities because not everybody uh, bothers to do that. So I think you and I can have some really good continuing conversations here about these mechanisms. I guess let's finish up with uh, let's flat out state it because we've we've talked around it and that um, you asked me to remind you what the or, you know to, to say what the difference was between uh, crowdfunding and what you're doing and so let's yeah. let's just straight up say it right uh, rather than talking around it.
0: Yeah, so um, you know what space venture space ventures is doing, um, they're building a platform where. A non-accredited investor, so effectively a retail investor can go and uh, apply very directly capital, capital into a space company. So I have company XYZ is, is raising around, I see it on the Space Ventures platform, I can see it, I, can, I, I know exactly what this company is about, what they're doing, I will throw in at $5,000. So that's roughly how Space Ventures works. What we're building is different. We're looking at a community pool. So we're, we're, what we're looking for is um, depositors, or even in the case of the BDC investors to trust the organization with their deposits. You know, They're gonna trust it with Bank of America anyway, so might as well trust the bank that you actually care about what it's doing. And then we make the, the appropriation of that capital via loans, other types of investments, into an array of space companies so it, it's just it's just different mechanic um, and it's different risk posture of course um, it, it's i i don't like using the term crowdfunding for for banking because it's banking it's not crowdfunding um, but of course both of them, both of them of course are leveraging the elements of space enthusiasm and space impetus so that's definitely common but the mechanics of how it's done um, and how it benefits the space economy is different. But they are very synergistic. So mm-hmm. I love what they're doing because they're solving a real problem. You know, they have a plethora of space companies that need seed funding. Um, and, and this could be a very good way to solve that problem. Uh, we're looking at a plethora of companies that need post venture capital funding to go build um, infrastructure either on Earth or in space and we want to go fill the gap where banks are not going. So, so synergistic mission, different parts of the, of, the, of the space ecosystem and slightly different mechanics in terms of how the capital is formed.
1: Very, very cool. Well, uh, I hope our, our audience um, sees that and, and notices that in less than 10 episodes, I'm sure of season three here, we have looked at four different mechanisms of providing funding to space companies here, right? We've got our traditional venture capital model. We've got, uh, what Dylan Taylor's doing with Voyager, uh, with the majority ownership model, we've got your model and we've got the crowdfunding and they're all a little different and, uh, and it's going to add up to, to something really big. Uh, where can people go Jason to find out more about you? What websites should they visit? I'll link to them below as well.
0: Yeah. Um, if you just want to know more about FinSophy, the, you know, the architect or financial infrastructure, you can go to www.finsophy.com. So F I N S O P H Y.com. Um, if you want to learn more about our, our space vault experiment, mm-hmm. I'll call it that, you can go to uh, SpaceVault.world. um Space vault, one word.world. One, one word, um, and, uh, the other things we have working on the radar, nothing publicly available yet, but we hope to be able to start making some announcements, um, hope in the next few months. Uh, the, cool.
1: Well, when you're ready to come back to me and we'll do a quick, uh, make space boring news video about that little five minute thing doing. and uh, be able to get that out. All right, Jason Espiotis. Thanks for being here.
0: Jason, my pleasure.
1: Hey, this is Jason Kanigan, the host of the program. Thanks a lot for listening to the Cold Star Project. If you want me to send you new episodes of the Cold Star Project so that you don't have to go hunting around for them or watching YouTube or anything like that, go to this page, coldstartech.com MSB, that's short for Make Space Boring, which is what we're all about, and uh, drop in your email address there and I will be able to do that for you. Make Space Boring is another little show that I run. Uh, It's a shorter format, quick interviews, and uh, news of the day, and sometimes an update of who I'm meeting and what I'm learning in the space field. It's on the same Cold Star Tech channel. Speaking of which, on the YouTube channel, I can do something I cannot do on the audio-only version, which is add playlists. And so there may be topic area playlists on the YouTube channel that you would be interested in digging into and going down the rabbit hole and learning uh, more about. For example, space law and policy, space situational awareness, the lunar mining and construction and fun stuff like that. So go check that out. Uh, that is at coldstartech.com play. That's the short link to get there. Anyway, thanks for listening and I look forward to talking to you soon.